By the way, happy Pentecost Sunday, uh, 50 days uh, after Easter, the celebrating of the outpouring of the Spirit. And, and I'll tell you, perhaps just in honor of Pentecost Sunday, as we've tried to accommodate the season that we're in or coming out of, you know, we, we've enhanced the different video equipment and stuff like that to make sure that, you know, House Church had a, a quality experience. And so now, having preached right now for the first time this year, I got an opportunity to preach a couple times last year, we've upgraded that equipment. And so now I'm oh, very aware that there's multiple cameras on me right now <laughs> with a live feed at home. And I'm telling you, the tele-evangelist just wants to come out in me on this Pentecost Sunday. And I just want to point at that camera right now. And I want to say, if you're at home, I want you to call and I want you to give. I'm sorry, I just had to get that out of my system. Sorry. But um, so there's been a lot of things that have happened, and, you know, in, in the season. Uh, and this is the first time, like I said, being able to speak this year. But I began to think back of, of the season last year. And I'm a big sports fan. I, I like to watch sports on TV, and, uh, and when a lot of the mainstream sports were paused, they didn't have anything to play, or better yet, they were just playing a bunch of reruns of classic events, until one day, I saw them producing an axe-throwing tournament. Anybody ever done any axe-throwing around here? So a, a number of you have. I'm not discounting that at all. Let me be clear, because I had someone come up to me last night and be like, actually, I'm in a league. You know, so that, that's not what I'm trying to do. But that's just it. And, and my horizons were broadened so much during that season because I was thinking, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, it was like a professional association of axe throwers. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> then the next day, I saw a national federation and turn it for cornhole. Are, are you kidding me? Cornhole, a national federation? I mean, they had rankings, they were professional, all those different things. All right, this one's going to blow your mind. Get ready for this. What if I told you that there was a professional association for I Spy? Now there's not, but what if I told you that? So, during this season, my imagination just went crazy with that. I'm like, but what if there was a professional association for I Spy? What would that look like? Because, again, I mean, seriously, what are you doing? You're just trying to find stuff with your eyes. And so, I was like, okay, well, if they produce this, they produce, uh, you know, an event of, of axe throwing and, and cornhole, what would that look like if they produced an event for I Spy? And I got to thinking about that, and I was like, okay, well... One thing they do is they span the participants. What's the participant going to be doing getting ready? Because you don't need to stretch. You know, you're using your eyes. So I was thinking, you go, we got one guy that's just rolling his eyes left and rolling his eyes right. You've got one guy that's just kind of blinking one eye and other eye, other eye, other eye. I guess that's high knees for your eyelids. I don't know. And so there's that. And, and then, of course, you got one guy that just so intense He's literally trying to pop his eyeballs out of their sockets or whatever. And then, of course, what's the other thing they do is they, the commentator always wants to interview the victor 
of the contest. And so I'm imagining what that would be like. And of course, my mindset went to, okay, you've got an individual that's coming up. He's breathing hard, like he just did something real strenuous. I don't know why that would be in High Spy, but he's breathing real hard and he's got a headband on. Again, I don't know why, because he's not sweating. Tell us about that victory, Jim. Well, I first just want to thank God for the ability that he gave me. Because that's one of the first things a lot of athletes do is they thank God. And so, so then I'm thinking, okay, well, what would the commentating be like as the event is going on? Because in sports, you tend to have, you know, special moves. You know, in basketball, you, you, you got dribbling between the legs or, uh, you know, a reverse layup or, you know, a spin move. And in football, you, you've got the uh, stiff arm uh, or the juke move, something like that. I can just hear the commentators going, oh, he put off that victory with the side eye, you know, or, or he, oh, look at that. He brought it home with the stink eye. I mean, seriously, what would that commentating be like? And again, I know as, as comical as that is, it made me go back to think of my childhood of playing I Spy with my family. And whether it was on a trip or something like that is my mom would say, you know, I spy something, of course, with my competitive nature, I'd get intense and I'd get right there, right by her head, because I wanted to see what she saw. And as funny as that might be, the objective of I Spy is to see what someone else is seeing. Can I tell you that every single day we need to be playing I Spy with God and choosing to see what He sees? I spy with God is choosing to see what he sees. So as we're going in and we're going to begin to talk about that today, when we say play I spy with God and see what he sees, I want to see what God has for today and understand that today is a gift from God and that I need to rejoice and be glad in it. I want to see the Holy Spirit at work in my life and I want to see God in that, so as life takes its different twists and its different turns, I want to see what God has for, for me along that path. I want to see what God's purpose and calling is for my life so that I can follow the things that he would have me to be doing. I want to see that Jesus loves me, that his love is unconditional, and no matter what I do, that God is always going to be there for me. I want to remember and be able to see that price that he paid on Calvary, dying on the cross for my sins and for your sins, and he did it all out of love. I want to see that. And so as we're playing I Spy with God, the Bible is very clear in its support when it comes to seeing the things of God. Psalms chapter 34 and verse 8 says, O taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. And Pastor Sean did a great job of setting me up last week because he even asked the question, what do you see? What do you see in life, in relationships? What do you see in God's purpose for your life? And one way that we're able to answer that question is to play I spy with God and see what he sees. But again, that's just it. It's, it's a choice to play I spy with God. The emphasis is placed on us because our God is, is our heavenly father, but he's not a forceful parent. He's not gonna stand over you and say, hey, 
you quit crying or I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. That wasn't just me. Heard that a hundred times, I think. But he's not going to stand over you and do that. He's a gentleman. He's not going to override your free will to force himself into your heart and into your life. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in him to him and dine with him and he with me. And what's great about God is no matter what the timing is, when we decide to answer the door, God's always going to be faithful to be on the other end of it. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. And oh my, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let me just stop right there and just take a moment. I said when one of the things that I want to see when I place I spy with God, I want to see that Jesus loves me and that he died on the cross for my sins. Perhaps you're here today and you've never had that experience. That's a new revelation for you. You don't have a walk with God. You don't know what it's like to invite God into your heart. Can I just take a moment to stop and say, hey, if that's you, today can change the rest of your life if you make that decision. The Bible says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus saved you, that you're saved. And so I want to encourage you that if that's you, God wants to come into your life and he wants to make a difference. That life that you've lived by yourself this whole time, God wants to come in and walk in life with you. He wants to lay out a path for you. He wants to be a part of your life and he loves you so much that he paid the price for your sins. So whether you make that decision right now, whether you make it sometime today, whether you do it at the end of worship, can I encourage you to do that today? So as we talk about playing I spy with God and seeing what he sees, I'm not gonna come today and present you with some complicated formula or some sophisticated algorithm. I'm just gonna speak the truth and keep it simple. And that is, if you want to play I spy with God, you're intentional about being and staying in the presence of God. Psalms 84.10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So it's better to put that into context, just to try and comprehend that. One day with God is better than a thousand doing all the things that you feel might fill your voids and bring joy to your life. And so one day that we're able to dwell in the presence of God is simply through prayer. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18 says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Prayer, Jesus did it. He, just, he taught the disciples how to do it. Every individual that I know that has a strong, quality relationship with God spends time in prayer. There is no substitute for constant communication and fellowship in prayer with God. Amen? Then next comes time in the Word of God and reading the Bible. 
2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So as you enter into, you enter into the presence of God through his word. We become students of the Word of God. And what's so awesome about that is when you're intentional about spending time in the Word, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal things to you. Questions begin to become answered because you're spending time in the presence of God through His Word. Now understand, when you incorporate these things in your daily life, I encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and to come into your life. And for the gifts of the Spirit to be active and embrace that and know that those things are things of God. And don't stop just there. Don't be afraid to take a praise break, okay? You know, the Bible speaks that he inhabits the praises of his people. So don't be afraid to just stop and just begin to sing and begin to shout and begin to speak out things of God and pray and and reach out to him and thank him and lift him up for all the things that he is in your life. So when we make the presence of God a priority, what we are doing is we are becoming more in tune with the things of God. John chapter 3 and verse 30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. So when we're making things of God a priority, what we're doing is we're pretty much putting ourselves to the side and saying, Lord, we're putting you first. We want you to be Lord of our life, and we want you to be in control. But trust me, there's so many benefits that come with that. Isaiah 23, 26, 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Whose mind is stayed on thee, who's someone who just stays and dwells and lingers in the presence of God. And can I say just that, is when you're in the presence of God, soak it all in. Just as we came out of worship, and I just kind of wanted just, just for a second, just linger in the presence of God. Because again, The company that we're in when we're in the presence of God is so awesome. The creator of all things, the one who holds the whole world in his hands, that's the company that you're in when you're in the presence of God. And it's the perfect environment to play I spy with God so that you can see what he sees. Now, hopefully I've I've painted such a pretty picture that you're saying, Chris, I'm all in. You know what? Uh, this sounds awesome, sign me up, seems pretty simple. However, many times we've all preached, I think, that just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Because as we make these commitments to be intentional about being in the presence of God, and we're making it a priority, trust me when I say the enemy is going to be agitated. Because see, Satan knows that if you get in the presence of God and stay in the presence of God and start seeing what he sees, he doesn't have a chance. And so he's going to hold nothing back. He's going to dig deep in his bag of tricks to try and derail you and get you off the path of being in the presence of God. And what's funny and even comical, that he will go to great lengths to even use Bible verses to try and derail you. We see in Matthew chapter 4, in verse 1, where it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So, again, Jesus is fasting 40 days and 40 nights. 
And at the end, he's being tempted by the devil. And verse 6 goes on to say, as the devil speaking here, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against thy stone. So the devil is here quoting scriptures, trying to trick Jesus. So if Satan is going to go to that extent with Jesus, won't he do the same for us? And this is how he does it. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 where it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the way, the law, happy is he. Pastor Sean spoke on this just very briefly back, I think it was the uh, Jesus 101 sermon series early on where he talked about multiple vision. So what we're going to do for the sake of this sermon is anytime the devil tries to distort your vision, we're going to call it double vision today. Double vision is Satan's attempt to negatively affect what you see. And necessarily, he's not necessarily trying to blind you. He's just trying to remove the clarity, mess up the focus, distort things ever so slightly, not to blow up the circumstance or situation, but just make it to where you are missing out on what God wants you to see. So he's creating double vision. Because he knows at this point, he can't derail the process. So he's just trying to affect things ever so slightly. And I really just bring this to your attention to create some awareness that the enemy is going to attack in that way. I think Pastor Sean spoke to the A-team uh, a number of weeks ago and that I think the slogan there was, I love it when a plan comes together. Well, I'm a G.I. Joe guy growing up. And G.I. Joe, their slogan was, knowing is half the battle. And so I want to prepare you that the enemy might attack you in this way. Let me share one double vision for you. And this one's for free. This one came after the prep last night as I'm about to go up to preach. And that is, if the enemy's going to use scripture to try and derail you and help you not see, he can also use the preached word of God too. What does that look like, Chris? Well, when you start to become more offended by the preached word than challenged, then double vision might be happening. When you become more offended than challenged by the preached word, double vision might be happening. That one's for free, just for the record. So let's go into three ways that can help us see what God sees. Three ways that can help us see what God sees. The first one is operate in faith. Operate in faith. Hebrews 11 chapter 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is a primary foundation of our relationship with God. It is through faith that we entered into our relationship with God, and it's faith that we maintain throughout our walks with God, but faith is a primary component. 
Chris, help, help me understand, you know, this, this operating in faith a little bit. So let me kind of put it straightforward. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay. If you want to see what God sees, you have to operate in a way that you can't see. You see? Man, I was so ready for someone to agree with me in Spanish just then with a C. <laughs> to see what God sees, you have to operate in a way that you can't see. So, so what does that look like in real life? So not too long ago, I went through some health issues. Understand it's, it's not COVID-related. Well, let me preface all of the story with this. It stinks getting old. Is that okay? You know, it stinks getting old. But the truth is, is that it was, it was a pretty difficult season. And it was some pretty heavy fights, tough battles. And my symptoms were very real and undeniable. And I really just got to a point where I was, I was just kind of tired of fighting. And it was at this point that my ability to operate in faith took over because it was during that season that I had no choice but to operate in faith because I couldn't see the healing. I had to operate in a way that, that I couldn't see. And it was my faith and staying in the presence of God that brought me through that. Because there were days... Like I said, I might feel one way, but God wanted me to see through his word that by his stripes we are healed. And so I began to kind of operate in faith and I began to speak that out in prayer. God, thank you for my healing, even though I wasn't feeling it. That's what it means to operate in faith is when you can't see it knowing that God is faithful. And I begin to speak against those things and begin to speak against that attack on my body. And I up here speak to, I stand before you, restored health. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so, as I stand before you in restored health, God showed me something throughout that fight. And that was that he told me, he said, your comeback is going to be greater than your setback. Your comeback is going to be greater than your setback. And I don't know, but I think that that word is for someone here today. I don't know what you're going through. Perhaps it was a health issue like me. Perhaps you've got a family divided. Perhaps you need uh, a relationship repaired. Perhaps you're suffering from a loss of a loved one. Perhaps you're dealing with spiritual battles or job situations or whatever it is. Can I tell you that God, too, wants your comeback to be greater than your setback. And so as you begin to believe in that and walk in that, just know this and please hear this. God will see to your situation or he will see you through your situation, but either way, God sees you. God will see to your situation or see you through your situation or either, either way, God sees you and God wants you to see what he sees. Second thing is willing to surrender. Ways that can help to see what God sees. Second one's willing to surrender. Now we just spoke about faith and 
we didn't see the double vision in that context because the enemy knows that we're flying high. He knows there's no way that, that he can interrupt what's happening, and he's just going to kind of let that play out, and he's going to look for another opportunity to attack us because he, again, knows the Scripture and knows that the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. He has no power. He only has a bag of tricks. We're flying high on power and faith, and so he's waiting for this opportunity. So willing to surrender is when he pops up. And the double vision that's created here is that Satan tries to convince us that conditional surrender is the same as complete surrender. Com conditional surrender is the same as complete surrender. However, the scripture contradicts that because it says in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. See, conditional surrender instead of complete surrender means you're content with just watching instead of seeing. Isn't that the same thing? You're content with watching instead. It's not the same thing because see, watching means you're a spectator. Seeing means God is working in and through your life. Matthew 6 and verse 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Conditional surrender is when we choose to hold control of some things, therefore trying to serve two masters, ourselves and God. And again, Pastor Sean even hit on this last week. I'm not a groupie of Pastor Sean. He just really set me up really well last week when he talked about seeing our preferences instead of God's promises. Church, can I say that God has so many promises that he wants us to see, but it requires surrender. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25 says, then Jesus said, or Jesus then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And what I like about this scripture and really what it sums up is what it's communicating, it's not that we're losing something, but we're gaining God's will. And if we're walking in the will of God, anything is possible. Matthew 19, verse 26. Jesus looked on them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I've got to believe, even if I'm, as I'm sharing this, that something is clicking perhaps with someone to the point that you're saying to yourself, Chris, I, I'm in. I'm, I'm done watching and I want to start seeing. I'm, I'm all in and I'm willing to surrender and I'm not worried about necessarily, I'm gaining the will of God and the hand of God on my life. And can I say, if that's you, the light of Jesus Christ is about to shine so bright through you. You're going to make such an impact, whether it be at work, whether it be on your family, whether it be on your community or your neighborhood. I don't know. Perhaps it's going to even be here at the church. I, I saw on the, the advertisement, you know, opportunities for, for kids ministry. I don't know what that looks like for you. But I know that God wants to show you something, that God has a vision 
for your life. And he's going to start showing you so that you can see what he sees for you as you surrender. And then the third one is walk in obedience. Walk in obedience. Deuteronomy 5, 33 reads, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. And the reason it's important to be obedience because Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's this point that is rewarding and challenging all at the same time. Because think about it, you're beginning to walk into a calling that God has for you to see the purpose fulfilled. However, it requires something of us, which at times can create a challenge, but sometimes it it takes that walking in faith to see that calling come to fruition. But man, can I just say that as much as that sacrifice might be, the reward is so much greater. And as you give yourself to God and his kingdom, the blessings are endless. Matthew 25, 23 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I like it when those words are used, many things. God's math doesn't work like ours. So whatever your many is, just imagine what his many is for you. But it requires us to be faithful in things first and foremost. And this played out in in my personal life because as I begin to know God, as I begin to grow in God, and as I begin to obey and surrender and, and, uh, you know, just operate in faith, I felt a calling upon my life and, and I just felt God leading me into youth ministry. And I didn't know how that would come about. And, you know, I got done with, with college and I was like, okay, what's the next step? And I came across this opportunity for this Bible school. And again, understand, I'm not speaking to some prestigious seminary. I'm talking about a small Bible school in Indianapolis, Indiana. And what this Bible school provided is an opportunity for me to grow in God through biblical studies and theology and stuff like that. But it also provided ministry opportunities as well. And so I jumped at that. And I remember walking in that first day. And within that first week, the opportunity presented itself. And someone came to me and said, Chris, I've got a ministry opportunity for you. And I said, perfect. That's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm ready to go. And he said, I, I need you to lead this nursing home ministry. I know with my nonverbal communication might be negative. Uh, Nursing home ministries have great impact or a great thing. It just wasn't what I imagined. It wasn't what I had in mind. And so I was at a fork in the road. I'm there to get ministry opportunities. God is opening the door, but because it's not what I wanted it to be, was it going to stop there? And I remember thinking of this scripture as I prayed And I knew that if I was faithful over the little things, God would be with me going forward. And so I prayed about it. I said, let's bring it on. Let's do it. And so for a year, 
of my life, I led a nursing home ministry. Man, and I brought it every single week. I would assemble a group of college kids, you know, whether they had some singers, had someone playing the piano, and, uh, you know, I'd preach my heart out. You know, what's weird is I always had a good point to make in every sermon to the point that I felt the need to clap my hands. It just conveniently was when half the patrons were falling asleep. I don't know how that happened, but it was just really weird how that worked out. But I gave it everything that I had, and what's, what's awesome is to see, because I was faithful in that, God did open the door for me to be a full-time youth pastor at some point. And the irony is, is even today, as I preach my heart out to 10 people, I'll probably have 500 to 1,000 people see me preach today, whether it be here at home. Those who is faithful over few things, I will make the ruler over many things. So the question that I have for you today is, what is God showing you What is God wanting you to see? And are we willing to do the things to do that? Are we willing to operate in faith? Are we willing to surrender? And are we willing to walk in obedience to see those things? And I've got to believe that God has something special in store just for you. I know the plans I have for you, the scripture says. So the question is, what door is he opening that he wants you to walk through What things is he seeing that he wants you to see? So as the worship band comes back up, I want to share one more story with you as we close. And that is that small Bible college. I graduated from that and went on to ministry opportunities. And one of the main focal points of that college was they had a singing group that would tour to pretty much market the school. And they would go into different churches and then they would set up a table and, hey, here's our school, here's what's going on. And the, their big thing was there was that group that would tour was called Praise. And that group Praise, you know, that, that was kind of a big thing. And so I remember calling back the year after and was like, hey, you know, who made the Praise group, you know? And because pretty much I felt like the whole school tried out for it. For the record, I did not. Um, but I'd be like, oh, they made it? Oh, okay, really, they did? Well, I don't recognize that name. Oh, there's, there's some incoming freshmen. Okay, okay. So a couple years down the road, and, and I'm uh, youth pastoring in Michigan, and they had camps divided up between junior high and high school. And this was the second week of camp, so it was now high school. You know, it's just kind of inquiring, you know, who's, who's, who's leading worship this week? And they're like, oh, we've got this, this kid. He, he lives here in Michigan. He's just going to come in and, and help lead. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And, and I recognized the name. It was one of those incoming freshmen to the college. And I remember entering into worship that first night, and I was thinking, there is something different about this kid. Because as much as he was there to lead us in worship, it was, at times it was almost as if we weren't even in the room and it was just him and God. And he was worshiping simply to an audience of one. And I began to think about that experience and I was like, you know what? He was just playing I spy with God. He was entering into the presence of God and he was committed. He was willing to surrender. He was just saying, God, 
I want to see what you see. You know, so it's no surprise that he's gone, gone on to do incredible things for God. I didn't, haven't shared his name. His name is Torn Wells. And he's been nominated for eight Grammys. He's won three Dove Awards. And he'll lead worship this weekend for 52,000 people. But to me, he's always gonna be that kid that played I Spy with God. So as you're here today, what is God wanting to show you as you play I Spy with God? What is he wanting to plant in your heart? What purpose is he wanting to feel? So I wonder if we could just all stand together as we get ready to enter back into worship. And I wanna just challenge you to, to do just that, is as we enter into worship, and as we sing about entering into the presence of God, begin to play I Spy with God and say, God, I wanna see what you see for me. I wanna see the calling, the purpose, the things that you want me to walk in, God, and I'm gonna do it by entering into your presence right now. Let's worship God one more time. Thank you. 